for his mighty power. Amen. So we want to look to the word of the Lord this evening, and I want to read uh, beginning uh, with the 24th verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me say that we want to uh, remain focused on our daily prayer uh, and fasting, and we want to continue that. Today we've been praying for the ministries of the church. Please do continue to pray for the ministries of the church. You know, uh, in the middle of all of the ups and downs, the chaos, the confusion of our world, and you know the ministry of the church just keeps right on going on. Praise God. And, uh, and so that's a wonderful thing. That's one of the things the Lord showed me in this whole process was if we're waiting for things to get normal, that's not quite the way this is going to work. We're going to soldier through regardless of what we have to work with. And God is going to bring us to absolute victory. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 24, the scripture says this, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I want to talk to you about what the apostle says in verse 25. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, in all things, temperate in all things. And that's my subject, temperate in all things. I just want to teach for a little bit, not long, but enough that we'll receive the word of the Lord. Uh, this word, temperate, is related to the word temperance. And temperance is, of course, a fruit of the Spirit. Now, something that you need to know about the fruit of the Spirit is that they are supercharged with the power of God to overcome the works of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, where the Bible gives us an understanding of what the works of the flesh are, I'm going to read them to you, Galatians 5 and verse 19. Okay, now we're going to see ourselves all up in this list, so just be prepared. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these... Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations. Emulations where you're trying to be something that you're, that you're not. It's a work of the flesh. Wrath, strife, seditions, division, heresies. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. That, that, those two words right there are pretty important. Such like. In other words, this is not a complete list. There's a lot more where these works of the flesh came from. And such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now we can look at that list and be like, okay, good. Then I, I just... I'm going to make sure I never do those things. I'm never going to do adultery. I'm never going to do fornication or uncleanness or lasciviousness or idolatry or witchcraft or hatred or any of these things. I'm just never going to do that. And you can try your very best. And I hope that we are, of course, doing our very best. But the reality is, is our best, no matter how good it is, isn't good enough. So, in other words... You will never overcome the works of the flesh with better intentioned works of the flesh. You will never be able to use the power of your will to overcome this list that I just described. Now, you might be able to overcome some of those behaviors through your willpower. You might be able to say, I'll never, I will never commit this particular sin ever again. And so you, through the power of your own will prevent that behavior of sin from ever happening again. But you have only overcome a sinful behavior. You have not overcome a sinful nature. 
And so this is how sinful nature operates. The behavior changes, but the sin was never dealt with. So the behavior doesn't cease. And as far as sin is concerned, all it does is it's reappropriated to a different kind of sin. So let's say I overcome, I overcome adultery through my own willpower. So I've overcome adultery through my own willpower. Because it's through my willpower, it did not deal with sinful nature. It only dealt with sinful behavior. So the sinful behavior just changes because the sinful nature is still in place. So the sinful behavior now has shifted to the sin of pride because I did it. And because I did it, I've got something to be proud about. Now I'm able to look down my nose at everybody else who's still struggling with what I overcame. And that's how sinful nature works. Sinful behaviors are to be dealt with by the power of God, not the power of our own will. You say, well, should I have no willpower? Of course you should. But you should surrender your will to his will so that he can operate the power of his will through your will. He'll give you a will so fortified that you've never known anything like it before in your life. And when God does the work, then the sin doesn't become pride because you know you did not do it, but to God be the glory. Now you don't, you don't even want to look down your nose at anybody because you know if it had not been for the grace of God, then you would not be able to rejoice in the, the, the behavior you overcame. How many have been there where God gave you the victory? How many have been there where you had some victory and you, you, you were really thankful for your victory and maybe even proud about your victory, but oh, what a difference it is when God does the work, when the power is the power of the Holy Ghost and not the power of your own will. So the real true way to overcome the works of the flesh is found in the, in the following verses of Scripture, immediately following this Passage that lists the works of the flesh. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So now, these are the fruit of the Spirit. And these fruit of the Spirit give us power over the works of the flesh. So adultery is not overcome by you just flipping a switch and deciding I'm going to be a really good person now, faithful and honest and full of integrity. No, it's going to come through the real, genuine love of God getting a hold of your heart and changing the way you live your life. Praise God. All of the wrath and hatred, I'm just going to flip a switch and now I'm not going to be so hateful and I'm not going to be mean. I guess I'll be nice from now on. So fine, I'll be nice. That's not how it works. Good luck with that. It's going to take a real true gentleness from the Holy Ghost inside of you to calm you down and fill your heart with love and not hate. So it is the fruit of the Spirit that overcomes the works of the flesh. You know, in the middle of all of these various uh, bugs that are going around, people getting sick with this and with that, it is, is, is imperative more than ever to make sure we have vitamin C. Everybody been taking your vitamin C? Amen. Your vitamin D. Amen. Zinc. And, and vitamin B and all those other A, B, C, D. Take them all. Just take them all. We need everything we can get. Supercharged. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is super. You know why you got to take those vitamins? Because inside those vitamins, you'll find them in fruit. You'll find them, of course, in tablets that are, that are a composite of all of them. But you'll find them in fruit because the, the natural fruit is a reflection of this fruit. This is the real fruit. When God created fruit that we eat like oranges and plums and pears and pineapple, when God did that, all that is is a reflection of the real fruit. And it acts like the real fruit. So if you'll eat this fruit and you'll have in you operating love, joy, peace, not of the world but of God, it will overcome the viruses that are contained in the works of the flesh. And I'm going to tell you, these works of the flesh are floating in the air. They're in the respiratory droplets of the world in which we live. You'll, you, they're airborne, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to have in you some 
firepower to overcome the works of the flesh. Everywhere you look, you're going to see idolatry. Everywhere you go, you're going to see lasciviousness. Every, every program you tune into, you're going to hear hatred. And everything you watch, you're going to see emulation. And everybody's language is, has the undertones of sedition. But you and I have access to the higher power of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the most high power. It is superior to all principalities and powers. And so when the fruit of the Spirit get in us, it's like being supercharged with antioxidant power. So now all of a sudden, when I have love, let's say love is a, I don't know, love is an apple. Joy is a peach. Peace, let's make peace peach because they kind of rhyme-ish. Amen. And, and, and then, and then long-suffering is, of course, the lemon. That has to be the lemon. Because nobody just goes and peels long-suffering and takes a big bite out of it. It'll rip the enamel off your... Nobody wants that. But do you know that a lemon is considered a super fruit? Because it is so packed with so many antioxidants. And when you suffer for a really long time, and God puts in you the ability to suffer for that extended period of time, you will come out of that with so much Holy Ghost power. Hallelujah. That's why the deepest, darkest trials of your life turned you into a more refined Christian believer because you were experiencing long suffering and it was knocking out these works of the flesh that used to just prey on you and have such an impact on you. The fruit of the Spirit is what overcomes the works of the flesh. Praise God. And temperance is that fruit of the Spirit that I want to talk to you about tonight. Temperance. It overcomes these works of the flesh that rage within us. And do you know we have works of the flesh that rage inside of us? Emphasis on the word rage. And I want to speak specifically about the idea of anger. Anger is a natural human emotion. But you must be careful in exalting it because of the fact that it is a natural human emotion. You must be careful in exalting it because you must remember it is a part of our fallen nature. And anything connected to our fallen nature is going to be a problem. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. And we love that verse because we feel like it justifies all of our anger, even when we're sinning. Now the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Yeah, but you just cursed the guy out. So I don't know how we're using this verse to justify our actions. Well, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Yeah, but you just drove over to his house and threatened him. So I'm not sure this is really working out for you too well. When it says, be angry and sin not, that's what it means. Be angry and sin not. It's not, it's not, telling, you, it's not telling you that you are justified in all of your emotions. You're going to have to choose on what you're justified to do. You're either justified by the blood or you're not justified at all. You got to choose what are you going to be justified in? Justified to feel everything you want to feel or justified by the blood of Jesus Christ? Somebody said, somebody said that, uh, well, you can't help how you feel. And this is, of course, true. People struggle with feelings. And, and feelings are a really a reality of life that we have to identify with and we have to understand. But there is an idolatry of feelings in our world. There is a worship of feelings. A, 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 an exaltation of feelings above even the word of God. To where people believe that if they feel a thing, then that is what is true. If they feel offended, then... That is the right emotion to have. Or if they feel angry or if they feel hurt or if they feel sad, these are the emotions then that they give way to. And, and here's what we must understand. Feelings have to come under the subjection of the Holy Ghost. 
we have to surrender our feelings to God. People say, well, I'm only human. What more can you expect? No, no, see, you're not only human. You're human, but you have the Holy Ghost. And there is a difference between a human and a human with the Holy Ghost. There just is a difference. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We don't talk the way we used to talk. You know, there's a new Jerusalem, there's new creatures, there's new earth, there's new heaven, there's new, there, the Bible speaks of new everything, and one of the things that it speaks about is new tongues. The Bible speaks of new tongues, and the Bible speaks of other tongues. Now, when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we're going to speak in other tongues. This is an unknown tongue. But when we receive the Holy Ghost and start living for God, we're not just going to speak in other tongues or in an unknown tongue. We're going to speak in a new tongue. And the new tongue means that our language changes. No more do we speak vice. No more do we speak divisiveness. No more do we speak angrily. No more do we speak with contempt or hatred. But now we speak with the love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, and the goodness of God. Because the fruit of the Spirit are abounding in us. And we are now able to overcome. We don't gossip after we receive the Holy Ghost. Where did this heresy come in that people can backbite their brother or sister and still be saved? You're not saved if you're backbiting. Backbiting is just backstabbing without the knife. And you're not saved if you're back. You're not saved if you're backbiting. When we stand before God in judgment, we're going to find out how serious he is. About this whole, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He's very serious about it. And we're not saved. We're not apostolic. The same apostolic teachers and preachers and prophets who said, baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, are the same ones who said, be ye kind one to another. Don't pretend to be apostolic. If you're not kind one to another, you've got to put away malice. You've got to put away wrath. You've got to put away anger. You've got to put away bitterness. You've got to put away clamoring. You've got to put away strife. I'm preaching apostolic now tonight. And you've got to come under the subjection of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I wore my steel toe boots, so I'm all right up here. Praise God. I came ready. I knew what I was going to be teaching. So, so we have to put away this rage. The, the worship of opinion, my opinion. Well, I, I, I tell it like I see it. That's, that's just it. You tell it like you see it. But that doesn't mean it's the truth. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And I've said this for years, you know, be careful how many times you do that. You, you've only got so many pieces to spare. And you want to be careful. I've seen some people have given too many pieces of their mind away. See, and when you give too many away, you start demonstrating a shortage there and you're in trouble. Don't give away too many pieces of your mind. Don't always call it like, listen, don't call it like you see it. Call it like God sees it. It's, it. You're going to have so much more peace in your life if you will allow your anger to be channeled in the proper way. See, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers, against the spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of darkness. And see, that's the people. I, 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 I'll tell you this. I believe, I believe, and now Lord help me to always believe this, if it's, as long as it's true. But I, really, I really believe, honestly, that all, all criticism is constructive. Well, I know we say there's criticism and then there's constructive criticism and, and, you know, we don't like critics and we don't like criticism. But I actually have come to believe that all criticism is constructive. First of all, I think a lot of criticism is warranted. Some of the greatest things I've ever heard is when somebody has observed something in me that needs to change. And, and they might have even said it with a bad attitude, but they were right. And, and I took note of it, and it helped me. And, uh, and so that construction, that criticism, even sometimes it's very well-intentioned, very 
delivered in a good spirit. And that's great. That's the great kind of criticism. Then there's the criticism that comes from a lot of pent-up anger and frustration. But if you listen to it, they're actually telling you something you need to hear. Then there's a, a criticism that's just mean, malicious, not even true, not even warranted. And that's the best kind of criticism. Because that kind of criticism gives you an opportunity to show the love of God in a way that you would never have an opportunity to do so. How many have ever been criticized before and it wasn't warranted and they were wrong and you were right and they were mean and you were nice or maybe you got a little mean too, but it was, a, it was, a, it was not a good situation. Don't respond in kind Respond by being kind, and you'll see a work of God take place. See a work of God take place. Do you know why the Lord, you know why we're here tonight? You know why we're here tonight, why we serve the Lord? We serve the Lord because he loves us when he doesn't have to love us. You know why we worship him, why he's worthy? You know why worthy is the lamb? Because while we were sinners, he died for us. See, we're loving people, we're loving people it's easy to love. It's easy to love the people who are good to us, Jesus said. He said, I want you to love the people that are not easy to love. I want you to love the people that did mistreat you. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to bless those that persecute you. I want you to pray for them who despitefully use you. I want you to to. When somebody smites you on the cheek, I want you to turn the other cheek. When somebody asks you for your coat, give them your coat and your cloak. And when somebody asks you to walk a mile, walk too. Never a man spake like this man. The king of all kings. The lord of all lords. Peter said, I will never let them abuse you. He said, Peter, you're acting like the devil now. Get behind me. Because you don't understand the things of God. They are going to abuse me. They're going to wound me. They're going to bruise me. They're going to chastise me. They're going to, they're going to wound me beyond repair. And then they're going to hear me say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'm going to turn the whole world upside down. Glory to God. This is what temperance will do. Temperance will come in as a governor, as a regulator, as a monitor of your emotions. And when you should be raging, temperance comes in and says, no, we're going to convert them. No, we're going to win their soul. No, they're going to be a lifelong friend. No, no, you're going to love them in spite of what's happening right now. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, I'm so thankful because that's why I serve the Lord. That's what God did for me. Do you know how many times God could have smitten me already? I shouldn't just be dead and in my grave. I should be dead and in hell right now. But because God tempered his anger. God has anger. Do you know how tempered his anger is? Have you taken a look at our world lately? Do you know how tempered his anger is? Listen, we misuse the word temper. Temper prevents Anger from boiling over and wounding people. But we say things like, oh, wow, he's really got a temper. No, I, I don't think you mean what you're saying. You're trying to say that he rages too much, which means he does not have temper. Because <laughs> temper will prevent that rage from boiling over. And you need that temperance to come in and, and get a hold of Anger. Now, anger is not the only emotion that needs to be tempered. We're talking about anger, but, but the, the affections of the flesh have to, be, have to be tempered. In fact, they have to be completely changed. The Lord will completely change the affections of your flesh and cause you to be subjected to the things of the Spirit. But your human emotions have to be tempered by the Holy Ghost. I have seen so many lives destroyed by an unregulated anger. I have seen, I have seen, literally, I've seen people throw away the best years of their life because their anger was not regulated by the power of the Holy Ghost. And in a moment of rage, they did something that they regretted for the rest of their lives. 
Your anger is affecting the way your children view you. Your anger is affecting the way your spouse views you. Your anger, unregulated, untempered, is affecting the way your witness is able to, to be pronounced in the workplace. There's a great story in the Word of God that has to do with the man David, David the great king and psalmist and prophet. And he, the Bible says that he was, one day after Samuel died, he, he was in need. Of course, he was a fugitive for while, quite a while from Saul. And he had need, and while he had this need, he said, I'm going to ask a man by the name of Nabal to come and help me with this need. Because we stood guard by his shepherds. When his shepherds needed help, we were a wall about them so that the enemy did not attack them. We were a deterrent. And we never took from them, and we were good to them, and he will surely repay us. And the Bible says that David went to send his servants to Nabal and said, Our master, whose name is David, has asked that you help him and provide provision for him, provender for him. And so when he called to him and asked him for help, Nabal said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? Who is this man that he would ask for this? Should I give him everything I have? I don't know who he is. Many people come and go from others, and they say they're this or that, and they're none of those things. And they came back to David and said, He's not going to help you regardless of what you did for him. Now, David wasn't in a good place because he had been a fugitive from Saul. And so David heard this from Nabal. And this is what David said. He said to his men, gird up your sword. We're going to take vengeance on Nabal. And there's not going to be anything left in his house. One of the young men of Nabal came to Abigail. And this is what he said. He said, Nabal, who the Bible described as a churlish man, which means he was severe, he was obstinate. He was a churlish man. And he said, Nabal has created a problem for himself because he has rejected David the king and his offer. And now evil has been determined upon him. And this is what he said. He said, he is such a son of Belial that no man can speak to him. In other words, he's unapproachable. He's unreasonable. And David was so put off by this, David was descending down on Nabal and his house with the great vengeance of all his mighty men. And the Bible says that Abigail, the wife of Nabal, gathered together the many goods that she had. She provided the most elaborate and ornate peace offering that she brought to David. And when she came to David, she said to him, don't do what you were planning on doing. This is what she told him. She said, Nabal has got issues, but you're different. Don't descend into his world. This is what she told him. She said, you fight the battles of the Lord. You don't fight these little squirmishes down here. You fight the battles of the Lord. And because you fight the battles of the Lord, you're different. You're different than Nabal is. Don't descend down into his little arena of anger. But, but understand that God has bound you. The Bible says, she said, has bound you in the bundle of life. And that's where you live. And that's where you are. And that's who we are. We are bound in the bundle of life. We are found in a place where love is the, is the light, where peace is the norm, where joy is abundant, where gentleness is, the, is the, the very thing we use to treat one another. We are gentle people. We are good people. We are peaceful people. We are loving people. We have joy in our hearts. Hallelujah. And we can suffer for really long, indefinite periods of time. And never lose our faith. Hallelujah. I speak that over you in Jesus' name. I speak that into your heart in Jesus' name. 
to understand who you really are. This is why you're going to make it in Jesus' name. You're going to make it through the power of the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You're going to make it because there's going to be a peace well up within you. You don't even know where it came from, but it's there. It's there. They may be mean. Life may be rough. Circumstances may be difficult. Things may be spiraling. I don't know how I'm still going, but I've got a peace down in my soul. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And, and the reason you're not panicking is because of temperance. Temperance has, has gotten a hold of what is a normal human emotion, which is fear. And temperance is just saying, no, you're going to be regulated. You're not going to panic. You're not going to lose it. No, you're going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Temperance. Temperance. Temperant in all things. Praise God. And Paul said, those who strive for mastery, they are temperate in all things. Those who win, they're temperate in all things. One receiveth the prize, he said. But he said, those who strive for mastery, winners, victors, they are temperate. They are, he said, disciplined. And he said, they're doing it for a corruptible crown. And, and, and for the corruptible crowns of this world, do you know the regiment of discipline that people engage in in order to obtain a corruptible crown? He said they do it for a corruptible crown. We do it for an incorruptible crown. Hallelujah. Temperate in all things. It's temperance that allows us, it's temperance that allows us to begin to treat people with love even when they have been hateful toward us. And, and you say, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Yes, you can. you got the Holy Ghost. Of course you can. It doesn't have anything to do with your personality. You've got the Holy Ghost. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I feel like I could. <laughs> we know what you're capable of. But that was, that was left in the baptismal tank. That's the old man. And, 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 and that's not the new man. The new man is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. A new creature in Christ Jesus. Praise God. I want to read to you from Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to read just a, a, a few verses of Scripture. Verse number 8 of Colossians 3. <clears throat> Actually, we're going to read verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. This is, a, this is your fallen body. And your fallen body, which is upon this fallen earth, is capable of these things. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Did you know that when you want what other people have and are covetous of those things, that's idolatry? For which things sake, listen to this, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. You want God's wrath to come upon you and you just participate in these things I just listed. In the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. You put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, hallelujah, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The new man is renewed in knowledge. The more you know about Jesus, the more knowledge you're going to have and it's going to renew that new man. Hallelujah. And you put off that old man. Notice how many, notice how many of these things, these vices listed in Colossians 3. Notice how many of them are connected to the tongue. What the tongue is capable of doing. James chapter 3. And, and I want to read to you a few verses of scripture from James chapter 3. If, in verse 2. In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Temperance happens in your tongue. Temperance happens in your tongue. If you are able 
to bridle the tongue, you are able to bridle the whole body. Your whole body will come under the subjection of God if your tongue will come under the subjection of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm going to tell you something else. Let me tell you something else. That's not just talking about your natural body. That's also talking about the body of Christ. The whole body of Christ will come under subjection to God if we would just start speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Paul said, I know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You don't want to know why there was nothing else? Because anything else could have led down this rabbit trail or that rabbit trail or that rabbit trail. And he said, no, the only thing my tongue is going to speak is glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. And the, when, when every tongue is magnifying him, hallelujah, when every tongue is exalting him, the whole body comes under subjection. That's how the body of Christ will operate is when the tongues are made new. Hallelujah. So behold, verse 3, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, and are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Listen to this. Even so the tongue is a little member... Boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Every great inferno, societal inferno, relationship inferno, every fire that has laid waste to homes, marriages, ministries, relationships, you can always find the spark was in somebody's tongue. Something somebody said that started the blaze. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. That is a very profound condemnation of the fallen tongue of man. It is a world of iniquity. It defileth the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. Every kind of beast, bird, serpent, things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. It is full of deadly poison. We bless God and we curse men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. A fountain is not supposed to send forth bitter water and sweet. The fig tree is not supposed to bear olive berries and the vine figs. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of it a good conversation. His works with meekness of wisdom. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Lie not against the truth. Listen to this. This wisdom. Did you hear that? Say wisdom. This wisdom descendeth not from above. He had just told us in the previous chapter that the wisdom from above is first peaceable. First pure, then peaceable. Able to be entreated, gentle, but this wisdom descendeth not from above. It is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish, but it's called wisdom. You've got to be careful when you buy into conventional wisdom. Oh, they can't help it. That's just their personality. You better start helping it. I, I, and, and don't give me any of this, well, you don't know my family. We don't have to know your family. People are people are people are people. Every, every single nationality that I have ever encountered in my whole life has pointed back to their ancestry and said, well, that's just the way Germans are. That's just the way, my, in my case, the Persians are. That's just the way, you name it. No, it's the way people are. Know that what 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 tribe is there where everybody's just so kind and so gracious and so sweet and that's just the way they've always been? No, everybody's got a hothead, everybody's got a temper, 
everybody's got the ability to fly off the handle because they're people. They're fallen people. Don't use your human ancestry to justify your behavior. No, no, we are of a new lineage now. We have a new father now. Hallelujah. We speak a new language now. We live in a new place. We are new creatures. We don't talk the way we used to talk. We don't walk the way we used to walk. We don't treat people the way we used to treat people. We forgive easily and abundantly. My goodness, we need, you need to carry around so much forgiveness in your wallet. Just spending forgiveness. Spending forgiveness. Everywhere you go, just spend forgiveness. They came to Jesus and said, Moses said it. We had to forgive people seven times a day. If they, if they repented, we had to forgive them seven times a day. Is that true? Because old Johnny over here, he's at six and three quarters. I about had it. Johnny's about to go down. Because we're about past, we're about to pass number seven. And this guy's like getting his, tying up his boxing gloves. I mean, he is... Upset with Johnny and Jesus said, oh, you're going to need to get, you're going to need to get yourself together because here's, here's, here's what you need to know. Seven times nothing. Here's how many times you forgive. Seven times 70 in a day. Now don't be counting. 490 is what it is. And it's a symbolic number. It's the same, it's the same number of years that existed from the time they were in Babylon till the time Jesus was come onto the scene to take away the sins of mankind. He's telling them infinite forgiveness. Just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. Well, what if they're this or that? Just keep forgiving. Just forgive, 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 forgive. I was preaching one time and I was preaching Psalm 136 and that great psalm at the end of each verse says, The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. And, and it's such a powerful thing because it's a repeated, a repeated refrain. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. And I, and I got to about the eighth or ninth verse and I caught myself thinking, mm, You're going to get the wrong idea. They're going to get the idea that maybe the mercy of the Lord endureth forever or something. And I don't want them to do that because... I'm going to have to help God out here because God just, sometimes he gets carried away, you know. So I'm going to have to help him out. And so I, I stopped and said, now, now don't think that this means that you can just, and when I start in on it, I felt God speak to me. Who are you to improve my word? Why, why, why do you think you need to qualify my word. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you. To get up and better explain it. I told you to preach it. Preach my word. And here's the reality. If somebody gets it in their soul. What if, what if somebody does start believing. That God loves them so much. That he will have mercy on them. What do you think might happen? See, God knows what will happen. And it's the same reason he told Peter, get behind me. They are going to wound me, and I am going to forgive them. And I'm going to save them. Hallelujah. Temperance. Temperance. It's going to be okay. You don't have to get, you don't have to get so angry. It's going to be okay. You, you, don't, you don't have to get panicked. You, you don't. No, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You say, well, should I? What, what, I have emotions. What should I do with my emotions? They, they need to be God-led emotions. And I know Jesus overthrew the tables in the temple. He overthrew the tables of the money changers. And that's another one we like to use. We love that passage. We just be throwing tables everywhere we go. We just walking into Bob Evans. Ah, I wanted extra dressing on my salad. And we're like, you got to get a handle on that. He didn't do that very often. That was rare. And it was serious, grievous offense that brought him to that point. And let me tell you something. For every table he overthrew, 
he wrote in sand, saying, go and sin no more. For every table he overthrew, there were numbers of other instances where he said, Zacchaeus, today salvation is coming to your house. Yes, 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 he did get angry. But it was God-led anger. And there are some things you have to get angry about. But sin not. There are some times you're going to have to lay down the law. But sin not. Let it be a God-led anger and not a flesh-driven anger. Be temperate in all things. Be temperate in all things. Praise God. Can we lift up our hands unto the Lord and ask Him to help us today? God, we thank You. We praise You, Lord. We praise You, Lord. We praise You, Lord. God, I thank You for every precious saint of God. Lord, who's here, those who are watching. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to be temperate. Help us to be temperate. Help us not to be so angry. Help us, oh God, to only, to only exercise our emotions the way you would have us to do so, Lord. Not to get too emotional, but to be led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Lord, when you lead us into compassion, when you lead us into merciful living, when you lead us into forgiveness, God, it brings such peace, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And Lord, I pray today you'll help us in Jesus' name. Help every saint of God, help every child of God, help every marriage, help every husband, every wife, every father, every mother, every grandparent, Lord, every teenager, every child, oh God, every co-worker, every individual, everybody. Help us in all of our relationships, oh Lord, to be temperate in all things. Praise God. Ooh, hallelujah. I'm going to win this race. I want to win this race. I want to win this race. Oh, let's stand to our feet right now in the presence of God. Praise the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, let God have a hold of your emotional system. Let God have a hold of your heart right now. Let God get a hold of your fear. Let you, don't, that you not panic. Let him get a hold of your mind. That you not get angry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. When you get angry and you feel that boiling rage, take some time. You need to get alone with God. You need to get alone with God. Don't do something you'll regret. And, and listen, it can, be as, it can be as drastic as doing something that puts a person in prison for many years. I've seen it. You've seen it. For a brief moment of, of anger. Nothing good came of it, nothing. You just satisfied that emotion in that moment and now there's all these years to pay the price. May not be that drastic, may, may just be losing credibility with people who should be able to look up to you. People who should be able to respect you. Be careful how you talk to one another. Treat your spouse right. Treat your kids right. Don't provoke them to wrath. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't be biting. Don't be snide. Hallelujah. See, I'm, I'm speaking to you right now as one who has the Spirit of God inside of you. Don't be biting. Don't be snide. Don't drudge up things from the past. Don't say hurtful things just because it makes you feel good. It lacerates their soul. Don't do that. Be temperate in all things. <laughs> you've been in arguments before where you've got something so good because if you could say it, it'll cut them so deep. And it's, it's like a knockout punch. And you want to say it because you want that release of emotion. You need the temperance of the Holy Ghost, sir. 
You need the temperance of the Holy Ghost, ma'am. You need God to get a hold of you. Praise God. You'll have peace in your home. You'll have peace in your home. You'll have peace in your home. You'll have peace in the workplace. Yes, you will. My God. Follow peace with all men. And holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. As much as it is possible, live peaceably with everybody. As much as it is possible, live peaceably with everyone. Praise God. Oh, don't you want that? Don't you want that? Don't you, don't you wanna, don't you wanna have peace? Glory to God. See, here's the thing about when Jesus spoke to the winds and waves, okay? He said, peace be still. And the winds and the waves, they calmed down. Remember that? Wasn't that awesome? Remember everybody looked at him and said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and waves passed aside more, that even the winds and waves obey his voice? But, but before he did any of that, you know what he said to the disciples? He said, where is your faith? You know what he was asking them? He was saying, why didn't you do this already? In other words, the tongue you have can speak peace to the storm. And the tongue that's in your body, sanctified, justified, you being filled with the Holy Ghost, that member being surrendered to the perfect will of God, you can speak peace to the winds and the waves. And it is God's will that others look upon you and say, what manner of man is this? You know what Jesus called us? Peacemakers. We just make it. We're like mom in the kitchen. Mom goes in the kitchen, and you don't even know where she got the ingredients from. Had nothing in the fridge, and she just starts putting everything together and comes out with this gourmet meal. That's us, Pete. We make peace. What do you got? Strife? Give me some strife. I'll put some Holy Ghost on it, and I'll make peace. What do you got? You got some wrath, some hatred, some emulation give that to me give that to me i'm gonna put some holy ghost some prayer i'm gonna put some joy and some love and and gentleness and i'll make peace i just make it we're not peacekeepers we're peacemakers we just make it glory to god if you can't go find it in the stores make some hallelujah glory i feel the holy ghost come on lift up your hands with me right now we're gonna start this year <laughs> hallelujah we're going to start this year with peace in our hearts peace on our agenda <laughs> hallelujah our world needs the peace of god they're looking for peace they don't know how to get it they don't know how to get it they tr they're trying in vain and they're making it worse but we are the peacemakers we speak peace and there is peace <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, lift up your voice unto the Lord. Ask God to help you in Jesus' name. Come on, you've got some winds and waves in your home, and you're wanting to wake up Jesus, and Jesus is saying, where is your faith? You can do it. You can speak it. You can, you can call gentleness to the forefront. You can temper this thing. You can temper this thing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Let's make a dedication to God right now. Let's make some commitment to God right now. Mercy is falling. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Receive it now. Here in the presence of the Lord. Mercy is falling.
one of the greatest trusts that you put in God and it's one of the most difficult which is why I consider it to be one of the greatest examples of trust when you trust God concerning people you trust God you trust his power you just it's just people are so unpredictable but I want to challenge you to trust God regarding people I don't think I could ever trust people again, Pastor, because of this or that or what have you. No, no, trust God. You have to trust God that He can protect you more than you trust that they will hurt you. Do you and, and listen, a lot of people have a hard time. It's hard unraveling them from that. Oh, they can hurt me. They can hurt me. Okay, so you apparently trust that. Let's elevate your trust that God will protect you. Hallelujah regardless of what they say or do and I'm gonna tell you when you start trusting God to a greater degree than you trust that they can hurt you you're gonna change them into a trustworthy person hallelujah you're talking about people who aren't trusted for anything and when they start feeling that trust hallelujah God can change a person I'm going to live my life for the Lord. I'm going to serve Him all the days of my life, and I'm going to trust Him. He's a fence all about me. He's a wall. Hallelujah. I can love everybody. I can be kind to anybody. I can even, well, well, they might say something bad about Let them say something bad about me. That'll give me good reason to forgive them later on, and then the love can only grow. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo, Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Do something on the inside of us, oh God. Do something on the inside of us that we've never had done before. 
do something on the inside of us. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. God's going to put a trust in you so powerful, so deep it'll move mountains of offense. It'll move mountains of bitterness. Hallelujah. God's going to put a faith so deep in your soul, it'll uproot years of bitterness and brokenness and resentment and anger hallelujah you won't rage anymore your mind will have peace your mind will have peace receive it now yes in the presence of the Lord hallelujah mercy is falling falling Yes, Lord, lift up your hands, receive.